0: My grandpa on my dad's side, Grandpa Farrar, as we knew him, he was, in many respects, ahead of his time. Now, I know he did this partly to reduce his taxes, but way back in the 1980s, he had a wind turbine installed on the farm which generated electricity. And not only that, but he built a small ethanol plant. I can still remember a science project that I took to some sort of regional science fair in middle school which explored how much cleaner ethanol burned than did or does gasoline. Now, It's one thing to know about ethanol and how it fits into the environment, but it's quite another thing to know my grandpa himself, how he envisioned things, his inventions, his pursuits and his purposes. Both of our readings from the books of Proverbs and Psalms point us in this same direction. From creation to the one who stands behind and before all that we see and created everything for a reason, according to a design, according to wisdom, which is characterized as a person in our first reading. Thus says the wisdom of God, from of old, I was poured forth at the first before the earth. I was beside him as a craftsman, and I found delight in the human race. God created all that is through wisdom, and wisdom turns out to be a person. I was poured forth. I found delight, a person who engages with the human race. Our psalm picks up this this theme, but from the vantage point of human beings. What is man, that you should be mindful of him, that you should care for him? You have given him rule over the works of your hands. God not only thinks of us and cares for us, but he has involved us in caring for all of creation according to his wise and loving designs. This is a truth that lies behind visible creation. It's not measurable by a microscope, But even the complexity of the world itself suggests clearly that the world and all that's in it is not the result of blind chance or random interactions. This is why when we act in a way that is at odds with the wisdom through which the world was created, Be it by being irresponsible towards the environment or disrespectful to our spouse, parents, children, or siblings, when we act in such ways, we feel that we've broken a law of some sort and that we've offended not just something, but someone. It's precisely the overcoming of these offenses against that someone and his creation that Paul in our second reading described as a state of peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, whom Paul described elsewhere as the wisdom of God. Wisdom became a human being, reconciled us with our maker, and showed us a pattern of a wise human life, a life not lived in the vain pursuit of creating one's own identity, but one in which our identity is found by being faithful to Jesus, which is what Paul also said gives access to us, to that state of peace or harmony with God, the world, and our neighbor. In a nutshell, that's the difference between secular education and authentic Catholic education. It's really not just that Catholics can hang a crucifix on the wall and say prayers in the classroom. That's part of a much larger comprehensive approach which respects the integrity of each subject. Faith has no authority to dictate the rules of thermodynamics or grammar, for example. But our faith sees every discipline as an emanation of the divine, pointing back to him, pointing us back to him which gives every subject a greater grandeur and education a much more expansive goal. Catholic education seeks to cultivate a wise vision of life that sees particular things like events, relationships, or technology in light of the whole picture, how it all fits together and makes sense. It gives us a lens to see the world accurately, comprehensively. Pope Benedict XVI put it this way, He said, as you know, the task of a teacher is not simply to impart information or to provide training and skills intended to deliver some economic benefit to society. Education is not and must never be considered as purely utilitarian, what thing it can get for me. It's about forming the human person, equipping him or her to live life to the full. In short, it's about imparting wisdom. And true wisdom is inseparable from knowledge of the Creator. First, the Book of Wisdom says, Both we and our words are in His hand, as are all understanding and skill in crafts. You see, the well formed Catholic teacher knows that as a truth is discovered in math, or as grammar is learned in language arts, the student is not simply encountering a formula or a set of rules, but Jesus who is the ground of all understanding and skill and crafts. Likewise, the Catholic teacher knows that in teaching religious doctrine, in participating in the sacraments and in classroom prayer, her students come into contact with the one who is the source of knowledge and understanding in every discipline. The spirit of truth, as Jesus said, will guide you to all truth. There is no opposition between faith and reason they originate in the same divine source. They mutually enrich and enlighten one another. In the Catholic school, the dialogue between faith and reason, or we might say between culture and faith, exists. And its existence is the prerequisite for true wisdom and a life lived to the full. And this, as any teacher and parent knows, develops not just by talking about it, but by applying what has been learned to real life, to relationships, to pursuits, and to instincts and inclinations of our hearts that are at odds with the wisdom through which we were created. Catholic schools certainly don't attain this simply by being named Catholic Sadly, many administrators, teachers, and parents couldn't articulate the essence of Catholic education, but it does at least allow for the possibility of such a comprehensive approach to forming children. Friends, it's probably about time that we begin thinking about the mission entrusted to us here at JP2 and to our campaign once again, don't you think? We've settled in, but this isn't our final destination. The second phase that began and ended about a year ago just didn't gain much traction. Was it the timing, the uncertainty, the changes? Soon we'll need to ask these questions and chart a way forward. That we've been given this task at this time of economic strain Suggest to me how much God must think we need it. He doesn't need anything, right? We do. Our society has shifted so radically in the past several years. Many parents got a glimpse of this as their children attended classes virtually during the pandemic. Is our future? are our buildings just reliant upon our preferences? Or is it a duty, a responsibility? Is God inviting us to consider the future if we abdicate this responsibility? According to which image of humanity will students be formed if not the image of wisdom become a human being? Who decides what that looks like? Is God inviting us to build a school? I don't know. But the readings do invite and support this reflection, and we have to know what a thing is before we can properly choose a way forward. Is that our first mission? Education of the youth, all our youth? Is it something else? What then is it? Only doing what parishes do apart from a Catholic school? Will that make for a vibrant parish? What will it be? a comprehensive approach to parish life like that of an authentic Catholic education? Let's call upon the Spirit of Truth to declare to us what the Father and the Son have in mind for us and to pour forth the love of God into our hearts that we might do it.